Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Welcome to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, where we have the lovely Shira here on Phones and Music. All you have to do is give her a call, and you could be the first caller of the day. The number to call is 602-277-5827. That's 277-KTAR. We could talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares, the beautiful sunrise here in Sunny Slope this morning, or this fantastic forecast. You know, we're blaming all these forecasts on Troy Barry. You know, it's just unbelievable to have a week with maybe one, one, one day that's supposed to be 80 this week. The rest of it's going to be knockout dead gorgeous. And hey, what's wrong with 80 and 50 anyway? Well, beautiful day. Spring has sprung, but it's an early spring. It's springing slowly and very pleasantly. Looking out the windows here, we can see that the you know trees like live oaks, which normally be fully leafed out right now, are just waking up. The mesquites are sleeping. The Palo Verdes don't know when they're going to bloom. But if you're looking for flowers, you can get out in the desert, and there's plenty of things to see. Anyway, whatever your dreams or your nightmares for that perfect landscape, there's plenty of styles. There's plenty of us here. You know, whether you want to grow wonderful native desert plants, and some are very unusual, and I highly recommend exploring the desert for the next couple months. Now, things that we would think that would be in bloom right now, like the hedgehog cactus and, you know, the ocotillos, they're barely waking up, but they will. We know it's going to get warmer someday. And in the meantime, we've got a plethora of flowers in the lower deserts you can go see. And uh, lots of places to hike, lots of fun things to do. And, uh, you know, it's been a wonderful, wonderful year for our state with water running down the river. And that's, you know, does recharge. We do appreciate it. Painted Rock Dam will get full. You know, I would recommend Painted Jack Dam as a fun place maybe in a few weeks to take a boat. But uh, you got to be friendly with rattlesnakes because they'll be hanging out in the trees. You know, it does wash them out of the river. But at any rate, uh, whatever your thoughts, ideas, you know, from the native plants we have, the wonderful citrus we grow, the beautiful shade trees from, you know, native varieties to uh, tropical and desert varieties. Uh, we have great cherry trees here from other deserts, like the fruitless olives, like Swan Hills. We have beautiful pistachios that, you know, a very desert tolerant tree. Uh, to a, a wide variety of just uh, some excellent native stuff. If you like the tropics, there's no reason not to do some here. You can grow beautiful plumerias, great ficus trees if you want. We grow all kinds of palms. We have one native species. It's unfortunately called the California fan palm, but it is a native here as well. And if you want to go for a fun hike this time of year, Palm Canyon out by Quartzite is highly recommended. You'll see a lot of lower, you know, blooming desert on the trip. And uh, you know, that Quartzite desert can be really pretty as well. Anyway, whatever your dream. Give us a call. Number to call 602-277-5827, 277-KTER. And as we say, the lovely Sheer is here on Phones and Music. Uh, all you got to do is give her a call. Uh, take our first caller this morning, John and Waddell. Good morning, John. Hi. Uh, I got my wife here. She uh, saw a bunch of white flies in the garden yesterday. And I, uh, all, all over the place, she's saying. And, um, you know, my first thought is hit them with on dish soap, but I told her we should give you a call. Wow, it's it's early for white flies. Um, you know, they really don't like this cool weather very well, so it's it's a bad sign to see them this early. Uh, what kind, do you have a holdover garden with tomatoes or something, or what, what do you got going on? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, what you else know, is in there? It's going to be hard if you've got a big pot peppers. Yeah, it's going to be somewhat difficult if you've got them started this early. And, and that's that's the downside to carrying over tomatoes. You can carry over white flies. Um, and if they're they're the big a problem already. Um, hmm. what, have you got a lot of new stuff planted, or just the old plants mostly? Um, I have old plants, and then we have some new as well. But it it is spread like throughout the whole yard. I mean, we have fruit trees, mm-hmm. and it just appeared like it, they're in the fruit trees and everything. Yeah, they're probably really not on the fruit trees much. That's not, you know, there's several of the weed varieties out that they could be on. Um, but uh, truthfully, they probably like tomatoes probably better than anything. You know, you could start off treating them, you know, in an organic fashion, you know, with like the safer soap and that kind of thing. Um, I would probably highly recommend maybe yanking some of the old tomatoes, you know, and getting rid of some oh. of their forage there if you're going to try and do a garden. And, um, okay. you know, unfortunately, the, the best remedy that I can tell you is the one that's done, you know, by farmers with things like, uh, you know, when we're growing melons and things here. And they're going to use an intimidachloropid product. And uh, it makes the plant toxic to the white flies and used correctly. And it, it is something you can do. But, you know, they're also introducing chemicals to the garden. But, you know, once more, that is kind of the weak point of, you know, harboring over, you know, plants for the wintertime is that, uh, you know, we can enjoy them. But white flies starting this early, you know, would be somewhat problematic. Uh, you Does might, BT help at all? No, no. BT just kills, you know, BT is good for grasshoppers and things that feed on on the plants. Uh, spinosad is probably the best uh, spray you could put on that's labeled for organic use. And you could buy spinosad or spinosad products at most nurseries and garden centers. And, um, you know, you could use that. And that would be, you know, something to try and use. But, you know, trying to call, you know control a big early population before it's even season might be difficult. Okay. I wish, I, right, had thanks, better, I wish I had a better solution for you. But I'm fearful of the fact that you have many already. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate you. Have a great day. Good luck. Bye, John. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have Lisa in Apache Junction. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Brian. Uh, my question is in regards to the stink net. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's everywhere. Everyone's got it. But I was having a debate with a friend of mine in regards to when it first gets flowers. So say you weed whacked it and picked it up. You know, it doesn't you matter, think- Lisa. It's there. And, and well, the only I way you're going wanted- to prevent it is prevent having it next year. So the best spring to do with it for right now would be to spray it and kill it while it's small. You know, because it grows well, we- super fast. We're pulling it out by the roots mm-hmm. here. That's not going to eliminate it because what happens when you're pulling it out by the roots, the seeds are already there. So when you're pulling it out by the roots, you're, you're just planting more. You know, So the only way to control it that I've seen that's been very effective is with pre-emergent. And that pre-emergent needed to be put down you know, last fall or in the wintertime before it germinated. So once it's germinated, once you have what you see right now, you have it. Um, you could kill it by pulling it, spraying it, however you want to kill it. It doesn't make any difference. But if you're going to want to have it not come back next year, you're going to have to use a pre-emergent. Well, I had done that a few years ago and it didn't come back but we had the flood and it washed everybody else's seeds back into our yard and And that's um, exactly what's going to happen and the problem is it's so widespread here now you know we were driving up to flagstaff and uh we were i was my wife and i were talking about what's all that yellow you know and it's it's just terrible 
And uh, yeah, it it's, is. it's really spreading, especially as you get up to, you know, by the carefree highway and things up and through that area. And when you get up in the lower foothills out by where you're at around AJ. You know, mm-hmm. it's taken over. You don't see it as much out in the natural desert where it's got the patina, you know, and, and actually there's almost like a natural pre-emergent with some of these desert plants that keep it from germinating as long as you don't break the soil. But once the soil's broken, could be even a hailstorm could break the soil, you know, you're going to have it pretty, you know, widespread. So I, I guess my question was, if you did pull it mm-hmm. while the flowers are still fresh, the seeds will become viable if left on the ground. Um, you know, once the flowers, they have to get to a certain state of maturity. But the problem isn't your your seed. The problem is the widespread wind-borne moving seed that's just all right. over an area. You know, and I've never seen something spread across a region like it has here in the valley in the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's pretty much everywhere in the valley. Now, you get out far enough away from town, you don't see it. But, boy, valley-wide here, and like you say, from Carefree all the way we got Apache Junction out to the White Tanks, you know, it's pretty wide spread yeah i do have to say though the uh amount of globe mallows in the desert and the lupin and all that is amazing oh, right they're, now. they're gorgeous you know they're absolutely gorgeous and you know and where where i did see the mallow just kind of taking over is driving down towards maricopa you know and you and you don't see it there but um you know that that, well, you that yellow color unfortunately is pretty <laughs> widespread <laughs> oh yeah it's terrible it's hard to see but uh, well, I thank you for your advice. Well, I enjoy all the other b- beautiful flowers because there certainly is a plethora of flowers out there. Yes, there is. You know, and perhaps you could go the other way. Perhaps what you could do is uh, next year just seed a bunch of poppies and African daisies and lupin. And, and, yeah, we uh, have that, but that stuff is just choking everything out. It seems it's, to. It, it really does. The, the um. The mallow in some areas, you know, seems to outcompete it, but that's really the only one I've seen that seems to outgrow it as far as size and speed. Yeah. Well, well I thank you so much and have a call. great day. Bye, Lisa. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got John in Phoenix. Hello, John. Good morning, Brian. How can are you I, can today? Can I tell you some good news? I got a solution for him. He lost the color. Sure. It's kind of <laughs> kind of tough spreading reality. <laughs> yes. I'm uh, interested in planting a guava tree. Oh, okay. Can you tell me anything about it? Do, do they do well here they in Phoenix? Do very well here. The weakness of guavas here in our desert primarily is the uh, frost in the wintertime. They'll take quite a bit of sun. They won't really do well on a west wall, but aside from that, they do fantastic. The tropical guavas are probably the most popular now, and that's the larger uh, pink guavas. Also, the yellow ones are popular, and they do very well. Okay, and how about, uh, what's the best apple tree, the Anna or the uh, Dorset? They're equally as good. Depends on what you like for flavor. And they're both, they put this as, they're both better than Red Delicious, okay? So, I mean, they're not, <laughs> they're, they're not some of the new wonderful apples that they have in the stores, but, you know, they're certainly better than a lot of the real old varieties. And, uh, they, they both are very prolific. You're going to get a huge crop. The downside to apples is that you have a huge crop, you know, pretty much all at one time when it's very hot here. But who knows? Maybe yeah. it won't get hot this summer. Yeah, it's so hot. We've had a had a beautiful winter so far. Oh, unbelievable! But uh, yeah, the apples tend to ripen a lot. So if you're going to can or cook with them or use them for animals, I mean they're fantastic. There's no way you're going to eat the apples off a very mature apple tree. 
Right. There, there's a lot. Uh, one other question. I put in some tulips this year. Mm-hmm. Do I need to dig those out before winter and put them in the fridge? Uh, if you, again, want, so if you want them to come back next year. Yes. If I wanted to have to put them away? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So about when, what time of the year should I dig them out? Well, so, you know, after they're going to go through your flower cycle, you'd want to take them out, you know, before it gets real hot. So we don't okay. know when that's going to be this year. We have a forecast of, you know, one day 80 degrees this week. That's <laughs> pretty right, unreal. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Once the uh, you know the green starts to go away before they go completely dormant, just cut them off at the ground, dig them out, and throw them in the fridge. Excellent. Thank you so much, Thanks, Brian. Tim. You have a wonderful Sunday. You too. Bye bye. We're going to take a short break while we're gone. We do have three lines available. We have the lovely Shira here on phones and music. All you have to do is give her a call. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven, and you could be up next in the Whitfield. Oh, not next, but. You know, after a couple, after Margaret and and we've got a couple others here on the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Pure love, baby, it's pure love. Milk and honey and Captain Crunch and you in the morning. Pure love, baby, it's pure love. Folks, we do have two lines available and uh, the lovely Shira here on the phones. All you have to do is give her a call, 602-277-5827. You could be after Margaret and Mark and Ralph. Good morning. Let's see. Uh, Margaret's next. Hi, Margaret. Hi. Right. I have a, a couple, three quick uh, quick questions. I finally have some gardeners spread my two bag of uh raw chicken manure on a small island area. Mm-hmm. What else do I have to do, and how long do I have to wait to use it? Uh, what, are you, what are you trying to grow? Uh, vegetable. Well, okay, if you're going to put the vegetables into a garden, what you want to do is, which, and you said it's raw chicken manure. It, right, uh, right. It's yeah, not I'll something you, you bought at the store. Me. It came from a friend? Yes, yes. Okay. So what you want to do is you want to turn it into the ground, about six or eight inches deep. And you don't want to put too much on because the raw manure is much hotter, you know, the fresh manure, than the composted or or type of manure you're going to buy. So you want to turn it over in the soil. And uh, what do you want to grow? You want to grow some uh, cantaloupes and watermelons? Or what are you you looking to grow? No, no, no. Just raw vegetables. Okay. What kind of vegetables? I mean, vegetable, like a bok choy. Well, and, uh, here's here's the reality. I don't really recommend raw manures, okay, for growing plants oh. that are going to be in contact with the ground because you're better off to compost it for your food safety, all right? So oh. raw manures are okay to use on fruiting plants like peppers and tomatoes and things that are going to be up off the ground. So if you're going to turn that in, you want to really turn it in, you know, to a deeper level and, um, you know, not harvest plants in contact and make sure you do wash any plants that you're taking out of the garden. 
Okay. But okay. I can wait for how long? Well, you, you could, you could, but the, well, for bok choy things, the thing, the problem is, is you're trying to plant it's good right now. So if you're going to oh. plant, you know, like tomatoes and peppers and those kind of things, then you're not going to be harvesting much for a time period to where we're pretty sure that all the raw manure is broken down and safe. So, um, oh. you know, it's just a food safety issue with raw manures. It would be better no, to add those wait, to the though. garden. Well, it's, it's better to wait probably 90 days before you, uh, harvest anything that can come into contact with the soil. And Only it's, 90 days? Yeah, but if but if you do, it's going to be in the summer season, you know. So you're oh, going to be like okay. an okra season, not you know, or melon season. Okay, and you can plant okay, those plants, you. the okra and melons, now because you're going to harvest things up higher, peppers or tomatoes. But you know, like lettuce and bok choy and those kind of plants, you just want to make sure that when you're harvesting them, that you're washing them very well. But but when I if I let it expose it for ninety days, I can put in pot though, right? Yeah, that you can. Yeah. If, you, if you keep it, but turn it into the ground and let it let it set for ninety days. You should be fine. Okay, I don't have to turn over the manure every day, do I? No, no, just one time. Just turn it all into the ground. Okay. Okay. All right. And my next question is that I I have some pot with green onion, uh-huh. but I told the gardener don't spray the weeds around it, but they did. Okay. Can I still eat the onion? Yeah, as long as you the, the, with most most herbicides are going to be fine. You have to follow the label. I'm not sure what they use, but if for example they were spraying um, glyphosate to kill, you know, you could use that, which would be Roundup. If they were spraying Roundup and didn't have it on the plant, which if they had the plant that's going to kill it, it would be fine to use them. Okay, and uh, also, um, oh, I forgot the last question. Um, mm, Okay. We'll call us back later in the show if you have another question, Margaret. Thanks for the call. (laughs) Ralph and Mesa, good morning. Good morning, Brian. I got a a red pistachio, and I got one branch on it. It's about three inches round, and it's a little bit low. I keep walking into it. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, is this a bad time of year to be cutting it off? That's the perfect time to cut it off. You don't want to run into that branch anymore, Ralph. Get out there and cut it off right now before it grows very much, and uh, that'll take it off, and it'll let the tree fill in and, and not miss it. Okay, that's good. And then one other question I wanted to ask you: coffee grounds and and potted plants. Does that uh, hurt anything or do any good? No, it does. Definitely does good. You know the thing about coffee. Why we're using it is to make the soil more acidic. Now this year we're very fortunate. We've got the Verde River running, and we're using a lot of Verde River water. So in uh-huh. most areas in Mesa where we're getting water from through the SRP system, you know the quality of our water this year is excellent, <laughs> better by far than most years. But you know when things are a little drier and we're running well water in the summertime, coffee grounds can be a great amendment to drop the pH of the soil. And you really can't get too low a pH here. It's very hard to do with our water. Um, might be possible right now because I've had our pH is close to seven. But, you know, and, and, and just in general, coffee grounds are always going to be good for containers to maintain lower pH. Well, that's good to know. And I have a uh, Sissue tree. I, I bought it for you all oh, maybe five years ago. It's turned into a monster. Mm-hmm. And I've had it trimmed the last uh, couple of years, but can I let it go now? Absolutely. I mean, if you want to let it get big, it's, you know, it's fine. It'll make a big, handsome tree as long as it has adequate space to grow. Uh, you know, by thinning it and pruning it and shaping it, you can, you know, you can hold back its size. And uh, the real right. key with a sisu tree is to make sure it's deep watered and let be dry in between the irrigations. And that way you don't have surface roots. But if you'll do that, they make a magnificent tree here. Oh, yeah. This, this thing, it, it's huge. 
It's unbelievable. Okay, well, that's good. Anyway, okay, have a great uh, rest of the weekend, Brian. You too, Ralph. Thanks for the call. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, Mark and Gilbert, good morning, Mark. Good morning, sir. Hey, uh, trying to grow some grass underneath some uh, Brazilian peppers and uh, some Chinese elms. I know you guys have a shady grass seed mix at your stores. Is that something appropriate to uh, try to get those areas to grow? Mark, it's going to be easier probably with dichondra. You know, a okay. little round plant. And, and it's too cold right now to seed dichondra, and hopefully it stays too cold the rest of the year, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> no, um, it's not going to happen. It's been pretty unreal, though. But at any rate, yeah. it takes uh, about 60 to 65 degree nighttime temperatures for that to germinate and do well. So, you know, typically okay. would be planting it here in April or May. Okay. Dichondra it is. All righty. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we've got uh, Terry in Desert Hills. Good morning, Terry. Well, good morning to you, too, sir. I got a, a weed question. Um, we've got an area in the backyard there. I have a lot of Bermuda grasses going to start coming back. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking at the uh, uh, weed control thing. There's some that say that it'll kill the weeds, but it won't kill the grass. Mm-hmm. Is, is that true at all? Uh, that is. Uh, 2,4-D products, okay, like Weed Be Gone are a selective yeah. herbicide, and they will kill dichotomous plants or any kind of a plant with a, basically a leaf, and uh, they won't hurt grasses. And this time of year, when the weather's cool, it's got to be below 85 to spray them. They can be very useful. Now, you want to make sure you keep them away from shrubs and trees, but on grasses to control, like especially the oxalis, the yellow-flowered weed coming up in grass that's very prevalent around the valley, it works excellent. Oh, yeah, I'm on two and a half acres. I'm covered with that stuff. Well, what do you have? Two and a half acres. Do you raise animals on that much grass? What are you doing with it? Oh, no. this No, not the grass. I'm talking about not the weeds, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, on, on, yeah. yeah. So, actually, on the other weeds out in the open, you know, with uh, on rock, uh, it's probably better to use Roundup. Right. But okay. It's out of my mower. Well, yeah. Well, well, once it gets pretty big, yeah, it gets to be a problem. And then it goes back to why didn't we put the pre-emergent down last time? <laughs> I know. I know. The thing is, I get these big sheets of uh, plastic uh-huh. that one of the big box deals, the mm-hmm. lumber comes wrapped in and it's white on the outside, black underneath. Uh-huh. So I got that stuff stretched out all over the place. Rock, with rocks in the corners. It's well, like, you can solarize it. It'll kill all the weeds, and it really works well in the summertime, but it's not going to get rid of the seed. It's not going to come back there. It's still going to come back next year. Yeah, I know. And these things have, like, millions of seeds, it looks like. Well, but, like the, but the pre-emergent, <laughs> if you put the pre-emergent down, you know, just mark the calendar for September, put it down in September, right. and put it down again in uh, January, you'll find that's a right. lot easier than moving all that plastic. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've been out here almost 30 years, so I should know what the heck I'm doing by hey, now. Well, the, Terry, the, Terry, there's a lot of fun ways to do things. You know what? And yeah. uh, there's certain signs in life, you know, like I grew up with a grandfather from Texas that you know say that we're a redneck, you know, so it just happens. <laughs> of course. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and I, my grandfather worked at the uh, POW camp that was by Papago Park uh-huh. way back during World War II. So, you know. There's a lot of interesting stories about what's going on. Yeah, I, I had I had a step grandfather out there with him, old Frank O'Dell. Yeah. Oh, jeez. 
He said they used to hand the guns to the inmates so they could get up in the when they climbed up in the back of the truck. (laughs) I don't don't think those German prisoners were too much of a problem. (laughs) No, they were on vacation. (laughs) Yeah, they liked it. They weren't getting shot at anymore, except for the ones that tried to take the boat down the Salt River. But that's another story in a different year. Hey, Terry, thanks for the call. Okay, I appreciate your time. Thank you much. You as well. Bye-bye. And it looks like Troy Barrett slipped into the news booth, so we'll find out what's happened in the world. In the meantime, you can give uh, Shira a call. The number to call is 602-277-5827. It's Shira and Troy and Brian. We're all three here every Sunday morning from 7 to 9 with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show on 92.3 FM KTAR. And Johnny were sweethearts. Oh, Lord, how they did love. Swore to be true to each other. True as the stars above, he was her man. He wouldn't do her wrong. Now, Frankie went down to the corner. A girl named Nellie Bly, he's your man, but he's doing you wrong. Gianni making love to Nellie Black. He's my man, but he's doing me wrong. Well, Frankie drew back her kimono, took out a little 44. Rudy to two, three times she shot right through that hardwood door. She shot her man. Tired hashers, bring out your rubber tired hash. I'm taking my man to the graveyard, and I ain't gonna bring him back. He was my man, but he done me wrong. Guess you just don't want to cross free. Beautiful morning out there, folks, and uh, what a 
invite you to give us a call. We have wide open lines. If we play a little more music, we have wide open lines. Number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR, beautiful morning, a glorious day, a phenomenal season. We're going to blame Troy Barrett for all that weather that he's been bringing us this year. It's been pretty exciting. Uh, you know, I don't think we've had, you know, 10 days in the last three months that's been over 80. You know, pretty amazing for her in the desert. And a great time to get out and explore. Good time to work in the garden, too. You know, it, it's hard to beat uh, working in the garden when it's, you know, 65 degrees versus 102. So if you've got gardening projects you want to talk to, you know, talk about, uh, now's the perfect time because it's certainly a good time to do the work. It beats the summer by far. And a uh, great time to plant. I mean, whether you want to plant, you know, a vegetable garden for the first time uh, or if you want to grow some citrus. I mean, this is a wonderful year to taste all of our citrus around the valley. And, uh, you know, we can grow some of the best navel oranges, certainly the best lemons and uh, tangelos and a lot of fun varieties uh, here in our citrus. Citrus is far more pest-free here than most places. We don't have the gulagong disease like they do down in Florida. And um, we don't uh, really have some of the other pest problems they do in California with psyllids and different things. So we are in a, in a great climate to uh, to grow citrus. So perfect place for that. Stone fruits, peaches, apples, plums, and pears. You have to have low chill. So if you're going to plant a new one, look for one that's 300 hours of chill or less. But they do very well here, too. And you know, we can pick peaches here, you know, pretty much most of the summer. And uh, we do have some good apricots and plums that will do here, you know, quite well. And, uh, you know, then we're having a lot more tropical fruits being grown now. And uh, you see a few big papayas around town, certainly a lot more mangoes than you've ever seen before. And the guavas do great. There's, some, you know, some front bananas you can grow. You don't get a big crop of giant bananas, but, uh, you know, they're not like Cavendish. But there are some fun bananas that do well here, like ice cream and vanilla and carbon. So a lot, a lot of fun things to play with along those lines. But, you know, Shira back here, she's feeling lonely. So give her a call, 602-277-5827-277-KTAR. Rick and Gilbert, good morning, Rick. Hey, good morning, Brian. I have a question about uh, specifically uh, trimming a lilac uh, vine or vines in general. Um, so, I, so I got a couple of lilac vines. One's about six feet tall, five feet wide against the east wall. Um, as far as trimming it, um, is there an issue to, to trim it from the bottom up and, and worry about the, the whatever the base? Being well, Rick, it, it's not going to refoliate, you know, because what'll happen is when it get a lot broader and denser on the top, and then it will shade the bottom, and so that right. foliage, if you prune it back to the bottom, and if you want to have that be bare, the bottom two, three, four feet, you know, once you prune it, okay. that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, it's a pretty hardy evergreen vine. This would be a great time of year to prune it. You know, once the bloom okay. cycle's kind of over now, you've already had the party, prune it back, and it's going to grow right. back fast and very vigorous all summer, so it'll be fine. So, okay, so, so obviously we like it because it's about six feet you know, tall, mm-hmm. but, but you're saying I should probably even chop that down well, I mean, yeah, I do. How, how long have you had it planted, Rick? Oh, years. Okay, so what I would do is yeah. cut the top back really narrow, okay, and okay. really butcher it all the way back to the wood as soon as it from you know finishes blooming the cycle. Oh. Okay, take okay. it way back into the wood, but I wouldn't prune it up from the bottom because once you prune it up from the bottom, it may never refoliate there again. Oh, okay, but, but I mean, it's, it's okay if there's a, a footer. So oh, no, it's going to be pretty happen. natural what's going to happen. I would suspect it looks that way anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Other than what's hanging down from the top to cover the bottom. 
Gotcha. All right. Thank you, Brian. That's all I needed. Bye-bye. Rob in North Phoenix. Good morning, Rob. Hey there. Good morning. Hey there. Uh, You know, I was just uh, planting some more in my my pot, and I was wondering about the... uh, uh, the jalapeno peppers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you spoke briefly about it uh, uh, last week. Uh, do, do I need to have, like, we don't eat a whole lot of those, but I like to have a few growing around. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I need to have more than one variety? No, probably pollen? not. And if you don't like a whole lot of hot peppers, don't plant hot varieties. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you can grow you Anaheim's. Like a little salsa. Yeah, well, yeah, serranos and jalapenos are the ones that are popular for salsa, you know, depending on how hot you want them. And, uh, you know, yeah. and jalapenos vary a lot. I mean, jalapenos can go from fairly mild jalapenos to pretty hot ones. Right. Yeah, I picked a few varieties of that. Okay, and, uh, you know, uh, and your last caller was uh, making me think about, uh, you know, I was had an interest. Is there any decent floral uh, uh, small vine you can grow in a pot or whatnot up a trellis? That face in, faced in the uh, the sun, uh, that uh, uh, variety that will take the heat? Well, I mean, the hardiest of all are bougainvilleas. And, and they'll grow in a pot, uh-huh. they'll grow on a rock, they'll grow on the ground. I mean, hard, they'll take more heat than any other plant, um, you know, okay. pretty much when it comes to a vining-style plant. Um, there are there are plenty of others, though, too. I mean, tangerine cross vine will take quite a bit of heat. And uh, you could even grow passion vines and, and have them take quite a bit of heat. But the hardiest and the oh, easiest of all would be bougainvillea. Okay, great. Well, I sure appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. Bye-bye. Uh, Mike and Surprise. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Brian. Uh, quick question on a vegetable garden. Uh, basically, uh, I'll be gone from May through September, and I do have some uh, border flowers in there, some dianthus and uh, pansies. And I do have about four or five fire sticks that I put towards the back wall. And I want to fill in that area that I'm vacating uh, after I take out my greens and any vegetables that uh, would be a good cover crop. What uh, kind of cover crop would you recommend that wouldn't need a lot of rain because uh, other than just regular rainfall during the summer? Uh, Mike, I, I, pro- I probably wouldn't kind of try to grow any annual cover crop here in the summertime. Pretty pretty much most anything you're going to grow is going to require extra irrigation. If you're not going to be here to enjoy it, why plant it? And uh, I would even maybe solarize it and just leave it for fall. So, and if you really want to solarize it, you could put down you know plastic over it, throw a little dirt on top of that, and uh, let it heat up for the summertime and kill any pathogens, any weed seeds you have in there, come back and plant in the fall. Okay, I probably could do that because a side issue, I'm trying to keep uh, feral cats out of the area. Mm-hmm. Too. <laughs> so, well, you can put, uh, put okay. that plastic in there and just you know put plastic over it and wait, you know, put dirt around the outside just to control it and solarize it and uh, you know let it sleep all summer. Okay, would you put a pretty uh, heavy uh, heavy duty plastic or? Oh, you know, even like a six mil, which is one of the light. It's going to last for one summer. It'll last a season. Okay. All righty. Okay. Well, that answers my question. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Bye bye. Have a nice weekend. Bye now. Uh, Rob and Tempe. Good morning, Rob. Uh, Bob, but that's oh, close okay, enough. Okay, Bob, Rob. Hey, I, yeah. I, I had one yesterday they called Perch, you know. It's like, <laughs> Perch I, was kind of I, I heard that. I heard, <laughs> I heard that. You know, as long as we're not called late for dinner, right? Uh, yeah. Um, 
Yes. My my question, a couple of questions on weeds, please. I know that uh, Roundup, uh, the product is glyphosate. You say that's okay. But ground clear is something in not to use. What is the product to be sure is not in a weed killer? No, well, there's way too use. many. You know what? There's there's lots and lots okay. of formulations. And, and people are trying to be creative and do oh. things for different purposes. But um, uh-huh. typically, you know, what I would just recommend in general is you want to use a contact herbicide. Okay. So right. something that's spray on the plant that you kill it and then it's done okay so it's not going to have any residual and then a pre-emergent but they have so many different chemical formulations now that uh, are doing things and having results that are different than people expect you know even when you use pre-emergence around plants you'll change their flower cycle and do different things so all these chemicals have effects you know and and the toxicity long term on glyphosate in the soil has been debated for as long as the chemicals been in existence you know but it's it's one that's been used so extensively that used correctly, we know it's pretty safe. You know, 2,4-D okay. is kind of the same thing, only we have to be really cautious with that one in the summertime because it volatilizes and moves around and goes areas, you know, just by vaporization <laughs> to where you don't want it to be. So that that's okay. kind of an issue for that chemical. So, you know, they're, they're all have, they all have their caution, you know, and you always have to yes. read the label. But I think if you just stay with a contact herbicide, when you're going to spray on, it's going to kill, and that's all the effect that you tend to have. And then a pre-emergent, one that's going to be a barrier so seeds don't germinate, you're going to be pretty safe for the most part. Oh, I appreciate that. Next question, please. In the I heard you talking earlier about something in the, that we kill weeds in the grass, but not the grass. Uh, can you name a pro, what sort well, of that, product that's, that is? Well, that's 2,4-D, okay? It's oh, also okay. named or, Agent Orange of the Vietnam days, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, Weed Be Gone is one common brand, but it, uh, okay. it it's a selective herbicide that kills, you know, only dichotomous plants or only leafy plants. Like crabgrass? Uh, it won't work as well on crabgrass. And now there, yeah, there is a Monterey, Monterey crabgrass killer that works fairly well on it, but the uh, the 2,4-D I don't think will work that well on it. Okay, I appreciate it. One last question, please. I'm, uh, I have a Texas mountain laurel. Is this a good time of year to, to prune that? It needs to be pruned a little bit. Yeah, as long I enjoy all the bloom cycle first, but as soon as it finishes oh, blooming, bloom cycle's great. <laughs> if it's still blooming, I let it finish blooming. You can prune it pretty much any time of the year. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate that. Well, thank you very much. Thank you you have yourself a good day. You too. Bye-bye. We're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we do have three lines available. Number to call 602-277-5827. You can give Shira a call here at the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're going to come back with Scott and Lynn, and then it could be you. Number to call 602-277-KTAR. What a
Sunday. I uh, want to take a minute and invite you out to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we grow trees. Started with my grandparents back in the 40s. Continuing today for four generations. If you need trees, any kind, any size, come out and see us. Now, we specialize and started off growing citrus trees. And we have beautiful citrus trees in 15 gallons. Many where you can come in and actually taste the fruit on them still. From lemons and limes and tangelos and oranges to grapefruits and uh, a wide variety of trees. We don't we'll sell many little trees, but if you're looking for 15 gallons and larger... If you want to buy a tree that you can plant this year and eat fruit this year today or next year for sure, come out and see us on those. But we grow a lot of big shade trees, too, from, you know, all different types of ash trees, elm trees, pistachios, beautiful desert trees, mesquites, ironwoods, palo verdes. We're the Arizona's largest grower of palm trees, Mexican fans, California fans. We have beautiful uh, mule palms. Or if you want to grow your own fruit, we have dates or Mexican blues, all kinds of different palm trees. Whatever your dreams are for that perfect landscape. Come out and see us at Whitfields. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, and insured. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue with my grandparents' Adobe House right in the middle of it. Or you can go to Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe. And uh, that was with the Cooey's old farm over there. And I don't know if you know some of the Cooey's around the East Valley, but they've been there for a long time. And, and Eldon and family have always been great friends. Or you can come see us down in South Phoenix at 26th Street and Southern. It's worth the drive from anywhere, folks. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bonded, insured. No job's too big, none's too small. If you need a thousand trees for development, come see us. If you need a lemon tree for mom, we'd love to help you with that as well. Woodfield Nursery for four generations growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Back to the phone, Scott and Mesa, then Lynn. And if you'd like to be after Lynn, all you have to do is give us a call. 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Good morning, Scott. Uh, this is actually a tree question, uh, mesquite tree. How do you, uh, when you're trimming those, how do you prevent all the shoots from coming up? Well, they're going to, you know, when you prune a tree, you're going to have more sprouts coming off where you cut it. So, you know, when you're, when you're actually, anytime you're going to prune a tree, you want to think of why you're pruning it and what purpose you're going to have, what's going to happen after you prune. Um, have you just cut the top of it off before and all the shoots came back out, or what are you experiencing, Scott? Um, just when they grow, it grows really, really fast, mm-hmm. and just trying to get rid of some of the branches that are getting too long, and and it seems like when. I cut one, about 40 of them start <laughs> Well, if you, cut, if you cut the end of a branch off, uh, you know, just stub it, that's what's going to happen. All the little buds behind it are going to pop out. So what when you're pruning like on a, on a tree like that, what you'll normally do is come to a fork where you have a branch that you want to maintain and then leave a stub about an inch long and cut the other branch that goes further out. And as they come up and fork again, you would do kind of the similar thing and reduce the amount of branches on the tree. If you just cut the whole top of the tree off flat, it's going to come out like this wild afro haircut, and you're going to have to go back and rethin it and rework it. But really, Scott, the, the thing I'd recommend the most to control the growth on a you know, a mesquite tree is to cut way back on the water. You know, they haven't needed yeah. water all winter, and uh, a, a healthy mesquite tree here needs to be watered about once a month in the summertime unless the weather's over 110. Yeah, I don't think I've ever watered it before. <laughs> well, it's getting water from somewhere, Scott. It's you know, and they're okay. pretty efficient at finding it. So you might have a neighbor's flower bed that's really lush and green, and might have a root that went over and tapped uh, into. I mean, mesquites okay. are very efficient at finding water. Oh, 
okay. They're All like right. a hound. They're like a hound dog flesh and quails. You know, they can smell those little guys. Uh, okay. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Scott. Bye bye. All right. Thanks, bye. Uh, Lynn and Glendale. Good morning, Lynn. Morning, Brian. Beth Devines. What about grapes? Can you grow a grape vine here? Oh no, we've, we've never grown grapes in Arizona. Grapes yeah. do wonderfully okay. here. Grapes are grown. Oh, <laughs> grapes are grown here by the thousands of acres historically. Uh, you know, we can't compete labor wise uh, growing grapes here with other markets like in Mexico. But quality wise, on growing desert grapes, especially table grapes, we can grow them as well as any place in the world. So you can grow beautiful table grapes here, and uh, with great success. In fact, they they're so vigorous and fast they can really take areas over. So if you want to grow table grapes here, you know, especially Thompsons and Flames. Uh, they're they're very very easy. Okay, now do they they take all north, south, east, and west? Well, they'll take anything. They won't do very well planting them on the west side of a house or a wall where they have a lot of reflected heat. But in the open okay. or in any other exposure, they'll do fine. Yeah. On the north side, it may be too shady, uh, and then they'll try to get out and escape from the shaded area. But uh, they'll pretty much grow anywhere except for with, with reflected heat on the west side. Okay, great. Marvelous. Have a beautiful day. You too, and have fun growing grapes. They they, they just thrive Thank and you. love it here, Lynn. Bye-bye. All righty. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, Dave in Phoenix. Good morning, Dave. Hey, good morning, Brian. This is Dave, and I have a Jack. How are you today, Excellent. sir? Excellent. And uh, having a, you know, all I can say is this much, Dave. I'm happy. It's so beautiful out. Yeah. I love listening to you, buddy. You're a good man. Appreciate you. Hey, uh, I have a jacaranda tree. Uh, it's uh, got a four to five inch uh, trunk on it, and it's about 20 feet high, and it's real bushy at the bottom, you know, and then it has these three big main shoots going up about an inch, inch and a half, and there's nothing on them until they get to the top. Can I trim that back and get a, a more canopy tree for it's by my patio? Absolutely, if you want to. I mean, you can prune a jacaranda. Now is really an ideal time to prune it. Um, jacarandas aren't going to wake up until it gets to be 85, 90 degrees. And, you know, normally this time of year they're starting to butt out and wake up. But, you know, it, it's been cool, and uh, they're going to okay. love the heat. But if you want to prune it and shape it, you can do that. Now, it's going to tend to regrow big, fast, vertical shoots the way it has in the past, but, you know, you can prune it and shape it. Okay, so would you recommend that then? If I want well, if you if you want a lower paper. canopy and more of a structure down below, absolutely. You know, and this would okay. be the perfect time of year to do it, and uh, before it buds out and really starts to grow. And uh, you know, you could take if you want like a secondary branching, so it's coming up. You've got those three or four main trunks coming up now, and if you want those to rebreak, you know, say it's six or eight feet, just take the top of it right off. Be prepared though oh. after you do that to come back and rework the new growth that comes out out of them to minimize okay. the amount of branches you have above that point. Um, you know, because you don't want them to come out like the collar we had earlier with just a poof, you know, like the mesquite tree did. But if you'll mm-hmm. you know, stay with the pruning process, that would be a great way to have a broader canopy down lower. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. And if I wanted to do that professionally, Brian, do you guys have somebody that could come out and I could pay them? Well, there there are you know plenty of professional tree pruners and arborists and you know uh, all around town. I won't recommend one on the air because I deal with several. 
you know, and there's a lot of very good ones. But what I would recommend, Dave, if you're going to hire somebody to come out and do some pruning like that for you, is to go out and look, uh, get, get a couple references and see where they've okay. pruned before. Okay. You know, references a are a great idea. way to go. Anytime you're using a tree service or any professional for that matter, you know, they should all have good references. And with trees, okay. they should all have someone that they prune that they can give you an address and say, well, look at how we maintain this one at this location. And, uh, okay. and that's the best way to discern the professional to get the professional you like his work, you know, because not everybody yeah, likes Picasso. Hey, I got to let you go. We're out of time. Appreciate the call. We'll be right back after the news with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show.